Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, it was this time of year, back in 1987, we had just purchased our house and it came in pieces. It was a modular home. And so right around the corner here, one day they show up these two big trailers and they get a crane and they lift that thing up and work it and put it in place in the foundation and put the other one there. And you're watching, it's amazing. And, and they put it in place and they, they began to fasten it together. And there it was, um, but it wasn't done. Because really quite a bit of work has to be done after they do it. Inside they have to, to put things together so that you can't tell that it came in two pieces. And on the outside they have to do some things to make sure you can't tell it came in two pieces either. And so there was a crew that was hired to do that. And so they were there working, I can't remember, a week or two, something like that. And their boss was a young man probably in his mid to upper 20s. Uh, a really... A, a, a friendly young guy, and he was built on muscles and, and must have been doing fairly well financially. He was driving a brand new Corvette. And he'd show up and you know, deal with the crew and then he'd leave, go to his other crews. And I remember down toward the end of the job, there were just a few little things they were finishing up and, and I can picture it as clear as I, as, I mean, almost as if I was there still. Uh, it was a beautiful sunny fall day. You know, cool, but sunny and and I remember standing out on the side of my house and he had a couple of his crew were standing there and he was standing there and we were talking and kind of bringing it to an end. And, and I really wanted to, you know, felt a, a responsibility to witness to this, this young man. And <clears throat> so I remember trying to bring it up and I, I brought something about, you know, hey, he knew I was a pastor. And I said, you know, why don't you think about, you know, coming to church some Sunday? And, and, and the two guys working for him, they laughed. They thought that was really funny, the idea of him coming to church. And uh, <clears throat> I'm thinking, I need to keep talking here. I need to, you know, continue this conversation. I need to, you know, say, well, you know, it's really not about showing up in church. It's about a relationship with God and, and go on and begin to talk about, you know, where we're all at and how we need that relationship. And I thought, I felt, this guy's here already, you know, they're kind of laughing at him here, this pressure. And, and I needed to be bold and go ahead and do it. And instead... I thought, well, you know what, I'll, I'll get with him later. I'll, I'll, I'll call him up and make arrangements to go meet with him. You know, what I find is that when we, it's time to be bold, and then we don't, it seldom happens later. And it didn't happen with this young man because three weeks later, he killed himself in his Corvette. Yeah. And that's hard. I don't know where it would have gone. I don't know if he'd have got saved. You know, that's the point. But the idea is that God put in my heart, speak, be bold. And I wasn't bold. And so I don't know. Um, And I'm not the only one who has failed to be bold. I think we've all experienced that from time to time. And probably had some regrets because of it. Um... But if we are going to do what God has for us to do, we have to become bold. Now, 
we'll talk a little more later about boldness, what it is and isn't. Uh, but it's not about changing your, who you are, your personality, but it's about being bold. And, and for us to accomplish what God has given us as a church, you know, Vision 2028, half a million people in the greater Worcester area. We need to make sure that they have a genuine opportunity to, to you know, receive Christ, to know Christ. That's not gonna happen if we don't become bold, if we aren't bold individually in our talking with people, if we aren't bold in our decisions about how we live our lives, if we aren't bold as a church to take steps of faith and do, if we aren't bold, it's not gonna happen. We have to become bold. Uh, in our own lives, for us to experience what God has for us and for us to fulfill what he's given us to do, we have to be bold, we have to make bold decisions, we have to live boldly. And so it's crucial that we become bold. Um, and yet far too often we're not bold. So what's going on there? I think that we have some expectations about what's gonna happen if we're bold that work against us, that become obstacles in this. I think one of the expectations we have is that it's not gonna make any difference, right? I mean, yeah, maybe I'd say something, but I, either because I don't think I'm able you know, I don't know what to say or how to say it, so I think I'm not able, or I think this person isn't gonna care. And because of that, our expectation that it isn't gonna make a difference, then we step back and aren't bold. Sometimes the expectation is if I do this, somebody's gonna get mad, <laughs> right? Somebody's gonna be real unhappy. And we have a tendency to feel that if somebody's really unhappy, that's always a bad thing, and therefore it would be a mistake to be bold if somebody's gonna get upset. Okay, so we have that expectation too. And obviously we don't like the rejection and all the feelings that go along with that. Um, and, and so really it boils down to, I think, you know, in spite of, we, we, we sort of expect that it won't be worth it. It won't be worth it to be bold. As long as we have those expectations, we won't be bold. We won't become bold bold the way God intends for us to be. And our passage of scripture addresses those issues today. So let's go there to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, if you don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to take one uh, underneath the chairs there and follow along. We're gonna be on page 1271 today. Page 1271. <clears throat> now if you remember last week, um, we had seen the call of God upon Paul and Barnabas out of the church there. And it says the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, I'm sending them out. I'm sending Paul and Barnabas out. And see if you can remember, we said the Holy Spirit sent and they what? Went. The Holy Spirit sent, they went. And where did the Holy Spirit tell them to go? Do you remember? What's that? Yeah, he didn't say where, except not there. Go, and they did. Now that was bold, don't you think? Bold, going out not knowing for sure where you're supposed to go, you just make the best call and go. Going out not knowing how your needs are going to be met, but going out. Going out not knowing what to expect. This is bold, very bold move. 
And so through Acts chapter 13 here, they go to the island of Cyprus, they, they face some opposition there, and God does a, a supernatural miracle, power of God being shown. Then they keep traveling, and they end up in another city named Antioch. Okay, they left the city named Antioch, that's Antioch in Syria, and they traveled about 400 miles, 400 miles a straight line, I don't know what it was by boat and walking, but it was another town named Antioch, 400 miles away, just like there's a Springfield, um, Massachusetts, you could travel to Springfield, Illinois, or Springfield, Missouri, right? I mean, it's, it's same name, different place, okay? And what they did when they got there is they went to the Jewish synagogue, now that makes sense, right? Because Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And of course the Savior for the whole world and the Lord of the world, but he was the promised Messiah for the Jewish people. So it makes sense to go someplace where the people already believe in God and they already know the scriptures and they already know there's a Messiah coming and then we'll go and tell them about Jesus. Um, now Paul had already had some experience with, with um, Judaism and its response to the gospel. Was it always positive? Was Judaism's response? No, it wasn't. He so he didn't necessarily know what to expect when they went to the synagogue. And he goes in there, and it's interesting, he preaches this long message. He starts in the very beginning of Jewish history, and he goes all the way down through Jewish biblical history. And then he finally comes down and says, the Messiah has come, he's Jesus. He's the one, you know, and, and the Jewish leaders have, have rejected him, and, and, but he is the Messiah, and he's the one you need to believe in and follow, and then he warns them. And I'm paraphrasing, but he says, you better get it right. You better respond to this. You better not waste this. You'll experience the judgment of God if you don't respond properly to this. That's a pretty bold message, isn't it? Going into the Jewish synagogue and telling them this, you know, that you need to believe in this man. Because the Jews weren't really excited about the idea of, wait, a God became a man? You know, and so this was bold on Paul's part to do this. And I'm reminded, I mean, it's, it's, as a pastor, uh, when I stand up and speak, and I don't every service, but most services I talk about the gospel. Most services I, I explain the gospel. And that's good news, gospel's good news, right? But think about how you get to the good news. I have to stand up and tell everybody who's here that, you know what, you've sinned against God. You've messed up. Okay? And so I always feel a little bit of a, I have to be bold there to do that. And then, uh, not only have you sinned and messed up, your sins, you're spiritually dead, it's separated you from God, and if you die in that condition, you'll be separated from God forever. And if I stop there, it's still not too bad, but something that's very countercultural and, and does require a measure of boldness is to say, you will be separated from God forever in a place that's called hell, a place of torment. That's not polite, is it? <laughs> I mean, actually, it could be polite. I'm touching. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't feel polite. It would be an easier thing to leave out of the, of the ex explanation. Um, but most of the time I don't leave it out. And the most of the time I'm conscious of that and, and I go ahead and say it. I don't know how people are gonna respond. I don't know how that guest maybe who's never heard the gospel is gonna respond to being told that. So I have to be bold there. And so this is really sort of what Paul has done here. He's laid it out in front of them. Now, 
So what we want to do is pick up in verse 42 and see what the responses were to this. Start in verse 42. It says, so when the Jews went out of the synagogue, so Paul has preached this message to them. They've heard it. He's warned them, you need to pay attention to this. You've got to get this right. Verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And so the picture here is this, these Jewish synagogues, if you weren't a Jew, you weren't allowed to go in, okay, to the synagogue. But they had it set up, maybe with lattice work or whatever, where you could get in and around it if you weren't a Jew and you could hear. You could listen to what was going on. The only people who could go inside were Jews and Jewish converts, okay? So the Gentiles are listening. There are Gentiles there hearing what's going on. And when they're done, the Jews leave. The Gentiles get to Paul and say, Paul, would you preach this to us? We want to hear this. Verse 43. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So there were Jewish people there who did respond. Jewish converts, that's what the proselytes are. They, they did respond and believe the message. Verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> Think about that. You know, it's almost the whole city. So let's say it's three-fourths of the city. What if we had three-fourths of Leicester show up next Sunday. 7,500 people. First, we'd have a traffic jam, right? We'd run out of coffee. Uh, parking spot, yeah. So what would we do? I think we'd be trying to string up speakers and wires, right? Would we, would we be excited? Yes. Would we think this was a good thing? Yeah, lots of problems, but a good thing, right? We'd be excited about it. And you'd expect people who know God to be excited about that. Good thing. Well, let's read. So verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, and by Jews here it means those who didn't believe, the ones who didn't respond to Jesus. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Why? Well, all these people never showed up when they were doing their thing. But when Paul comes along, they show up for him. So now, what's in their hearts is being shown. Okay, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold. I think they were already bold, but it says they grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you rejected and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Now, I think that is really pretty bold. I want you to understand. So here they are, second week, they've come back. They're talking about Jesus again. They're talking about the scriptures and how he fulfilled them and, and, and how he was the Messiah and the Savior of the world and the Lord of all. They're, they're talking about this and these Jewish people who aren't saved and who are rich, they keep contradicting. They keep interrupting. They keep saying that's not true and they're saying, you know, Jesus isn't God and, and all this while Paul's trying to preach the message. Now, I'm so glad that you guys don't do that to me. That'd be really tough, wouldn't it? But I want you to see, of course, Paul was the guest. He was the outsider, and he's there. And what does he do? He stops and says, you know what? I can see you aren't interested. You don't want this. 
So I want you to know that we are now leaving and we're going to the Gentiles out there. Now, how did the Jewish people feel about that? You're rejecting us for the Gentiles? I mean, so Paul was very bold to say that, but it was what needed to be said. They needed to hear it. They needed to hear the truth about this. And so Paul goes out and verse 47, for so the Lord, he says, has commanded us. And then he quotes from Isaiah. He says, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, right? Wow, we, before we've been the outsiders. They were the outsiders trying to hear in. Now Paul says, no, I'm leaving here and I'm coming out to you and speaking directly to you. You are no longer outsiders, you are our insiders. And the Gentiles were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Now, so let me just take just a minute, uh, kind of do a little sidetrack here. This summer when we were in Romans 9, 10, and 11, we talked about a, a prevailing belief among, in Christianity. Uh, it's, it's often called Reformed theology or called Calvinism. And this uh, belief is that uh, God, before he ever created the world, of course knew he was, who, would be, um, who would be born, who would be alive, that God chose who he was going to save. And they are the only ones who can be saved. And everybody else he didn't choose, not only won't be saved, cannot be saved. Jesus didn't even die for them. He only died for the ones he chose. And we don't believe that's what the Bible teaches, okay? We, we don't believe that's what the Word of God says. We believe that, uh, as the Bible says, we are chosen in Christ. Ephesians chapter one says that God chose his beloved one. He chose Jesus. And he chose all who are in Jesus. And how do we get in Jesus? By receiving Christ as Savior. By responding. We believe that God enables everybody who hears the gospel to be able to choose to be saved. God in creation has put his witness out there that he exists. And everybody is able to respond to that. That, that when God reveals something to us or brings his truth to us, we, he enables us to respond and gives us the ability to choose to believe. Okay? So... Did God know beforehand who would choose to be saved? Yes, he did, right? God knows. He, he didn't make anybody choose to be saved or not, but he knows. And so what he said is, everybody who chooses to be saved, I appoint to have eternal life. And so when it says here, all who were appointed to eternal life believe, who, who are those people? Those who would choose to be saved, okay? So that's who he's talking about here. Everyone that God knew ahead of time would receive Christ there did. Okay? Verse 49. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews, again, this is these Jews in the synagogue who, who opposed what Paul was saying. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So got rid of them, okay? They lied about them, I'm sure. The false accusations, uh, you know, telling things that weren't true and got them kicked out of not only the city, but the what? The region. They were forced to leave. Now, now we don't know how this happened. We don't, you know, don't know the specifics, but they had to leave. They were forced to leave. 
Verse 51, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. Shook off the dust of their feet. This goes back to when Jesus was talking to uh, the apostles and when they were going out to preach the gospel of the kingdom, he said, and if any place will not hear you, if they don't want anything to do with this, he says, you shake the dust off your feet and go to the next town. And we get this picture. It's kind of like, here we are, this place, you don't want anything to do with God. You want us out of here. Okay, we're going to be out of here. And we step out and we, we shake the dust off. It's symbolic of, okay, we're leaving you and going on. Okay. I, I don't know if he literally did that or not. My guess is they did as a, as a message. That's pretty bold, right? So they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now that isn't what you'd normally expect. We got kicked out. We got lied about. We got falsely accused. And we have joy and the Holy Spirit. What I want you to see is this here today, this truth. When you're bold, God works. When you're bold, God works. Now let's, let's make sure we're clear on what we're talking about here. When we say bold, we're talking about Christian boldness. This kind of boldness is not boisterous. This kind of boldness is not necessarily loud. This kind of boldness isn't arrogant. This kind of boldness isn't annoying and irritating or you know, just contrary. That's not what this kind of boldness is. When we're talking about Christian boldness, we're talking about things like this. It's when you're, when you're responding with boldness, you say what needs to be said. You say it when it needs to be said. I needed to say what needed to be said that day in 1987. That was the time I needed to say that. That would have been boldness, and I didn't. So it's saying what needs to be said, when it needs to be said, the way it needs to be said. Okay? We're being bold. But it's not just what we say, it's also what we do. It's decisions we make. We, we make decisions to do what needs to be done. And we do it when it needs to be done. We do it the way it needs to be done. That's boldness. Now, and here's where boldness, I think the real idea comes in. We say it, we do it, when it would be a lot easier not to. Right? We get that? It'd be a lot easier not to. Just like I said, my example, it was easier for me that day to say, oh, I'll talk later. And boldness doesn't let that be the bottom line. That's easier. No, we do it now because now is the time to do it. And so when we are bold like that, when we're saying what we need to say and we're doing what we need to do, when we are bold, God works. Now, if you will be bold, you can expect your boldness to produce excitement, sometimes in unexpected places. Who was their audience for Paul and Barnabas to start with? Who were they sharing this with? The Jewish people. That was where their expectation was. Some of the Jews did respond. But who responded that was kind of surprising? The Gentiles, who it wasn't even message wasn't even directed to them at that point. Okay? And so sometimes this is what happens. You and I, if we step out and we're bold and, and we share our faith or we do certain, there will be people who will respond positively. It just may not be the person in front of us. 
It may be somebody else who's hearing what's being said. It may be somebody else who's observing what's being said. It may be somebody who this person goes and talks to. But what I should see is that there will be somebody who will respond positively to what you're saying and doing. Now, we don't always get to know who that person is. But they're there. God is at work. He doesn't waste our witness. Okay? And so there will be people, in this sense, like I said, it was the Gentiles, unexpected, but the same thing for us. And so let this motivate you to bold living because God is working in people's lives that you need to be bold with. How do we know that? I want you to think about this. How do we know? And I was, this we could get, you know, spend time on this too, but sometimes we think the person in front of us, I don't think God's working in this person's life. What's the point? That's a lie. Do you know how you know that God is working in this person's life? Because you're in their life. And God is in you. Do you see what I'm saying? Doesn't mean they're ready to get saved, but God is at work. That's why you're there, because God is at work in that person's life. If you think of all the people who you come in contact with and who are part of your life, some big level, some small level, is that, that they are there because God is working in their life. That's why you're there. And so know that God is at work. And if you will be bold, he will work. He will use your boldness. Uh, and people, believe it or not, we sometimes you know, worry about being bold, but when we're bold like Christians, it has a positive impact on those who hear us or those who observe us. And I want you to think, in Jesus' day, the scribes taught the Bible and they thought, well, this rabbi says and then that, but that rabbi says, and this is different and that's different. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus preached, see, see what it says here, put it up. It says, the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as what? One having authority and not as the scribes. And when you speak boldly, it's, you speak as one who has authority because you have the truth and, and it will impact people. So let it motivate you because when you're bold, God works, so be bold. Now, not only can you expect some excitement to come maybe from unexpected places, I think you can expect your boldness to be met with resistance, sometimes from unexpected places. The resistance here were these Jews. Now, you wouldn't think the Jews would, would have been the one to do all the opposition because it was their Messiah, right? He was the promised one. He was the fulfillment of their scriptures. And yet, now the Jews who ought to be responding instead are acting in opposition. And this is one of the reasons we don't, wit we don't witness, one of the reasons we aren't bold, because we're afraid of that. But what I want to say today is don't let the fact that someone opposes you and maybe someone you were surprised that opposes you deter you from being bold. Um, once again, we see here God is working, isn't he? And you, you see, what's happening here uh, is that their hearts are being revealed. If this hadn't occurred, what Paul, might Paul have thought about them? That they were on board. That they were, they knew the Lord, that they were saved. But their opposition showed what? They weren't. It revealed their heart. And so when you are bold 
uh, before people. Hang on, we're not quite ready for that verse yet. Why don't you take that away? It looks a little distracting. When, um, when you are bold, that puts people in a place where they have to respond somehow. And what's in their hearts is going to come out. Now that's good for, now you know where people are at. You know where they're at. If you, if you have a friend and all you ever do is kind of say nice little religious things around the edge and they go, uh-huh, 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 you don't know where they're at. But I guarantee you, if you boldly say what needs to be said about their relationship with God, you're going to find out where they're at. Okay? It will be revealed. It'll reveal it not only to you, it'll reveal it to them. They will all of a sudden see where they're at with this. And who knows, it may reveal it to other people who need to see that too, where they're at and what's going on. Okay, also what you want to do is follow Peter's and John's examples. Yeah, let's go to that scripture now. So Peter and John are called before the religious leaders and told you can't preach this. And they answer boldly. They say, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Right? We have to do this. And that's the way we need to see this. Our boldness whether to be bold or not is not determined by how somebody's going to respond. We're saying what needs to be said, when it needs to be said, the way it needs to be said. Consider what Peter said about this later in his letter. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't be surprised when there's opposition. Content, let's go on. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So don't let this difficulties that might arise because you're bold prevent you from being bold. It's okay. You know, if you say what you're supposed to say and somebody's upset, it's okay. Now, is it fun? <laughs> no. In fact, if, if you're here today and you think, man, I love to do this, I love to get people upset, then we have a different issue to work on. It's another sermon. But when you graciously, lovingly speak the truth to somebody and they get upset, that's not a bad thing. It's, it's, it's an unpleasant thing. But it's not a bad thing. So remember, when you're bold, God works. Opposition and difficulty are not enjoyable, but um, it's always good because you have been bold. And then finally, expect your boldness to result in increasing joy in a closer relationship with the Lord. Verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy. They didn't have a little bit of joy. They were filled with joy. And with the Holy Spirit, they had a closer, uh, more intimate relationship that they were experiencing with the Lord as a result of having been bold. And what you see is there's an upward, call it a spiritual energy spiral here. They were bold. And then they experienced joy from the Lord. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so now you have some strength from God. And when you get strength from God, that encourages you and enables you to be what? Bold, which brings joy, which brings the Lord's strength, which brings your ability to be bold. And you see, it goes, it's an upward energy spiral. But if you don't start it, it doesn't happen doesn't happen. So we want to, 
Take advantage of being bold. It is worth the risk. Is there any risk for being bold? Yeah, there is. I mean, it depends how you, is, do you run the risk of being rejected? Yeah? Do you run the risk of being harassed? And it doesn't happen so much in our country, but do you run the risk of being persecuted? Yeah, you could lose a job, you could lose a relationship, you could lose a position, uh, you could lose in the eyes of other people. But it's worth it. Let me tell you, Paul said it like this in Romans 8. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So no matter how hard it gets here because you were bold, it's not even worthy of being compared to what God is going to do in our future because of it. God will reward your boldness now and in eternity. There is blessing now. There always is. God is always at work. Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. But more often than not, there's blessing now. And Dan, I'm gonna jump to the Matthew passage. Here's what Jesus said though. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. What? Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are in good company. But he says, your reward in heaven is great. Not only will you experience joy down here and a close relationship with the Lord, but if you are bold and it brings negative opposition, if that comes, great is your reward in heaven. Forever blessing. Not just here and now blessing. You see, when you're bold, God works. He does. And when God works, you're blessed. What a blessing it is to have God working in your life and through your life. What, to know that that's why they're filled with joy in the Holy Spirit because man, God is working. God is using me. He's using us. And so when you're bold, God works and you're blessed. So why not just be bold? Be bold. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that you challenge us to be bold. I thank you, Father, that somebody was bold enough to tell us the truth, that we might be saved. Bold enough to step out and invite us. Bold enough to be in our lives when maybe it wasn't easy. Thank you for that. And I pray we will be the same for others, Lord. That we will yield ourselves to you to say what you want us to say, to do what you want us to do. And that you would then use us, Lord, and we look forward to that and look forward to experiencing your blessing as we do. But Father, we need to be bold and it's not in our nature. And so we are dependent on you to do this great work in our lives. I pray that we will say yes to you as you offer to do it in our lives. I pray it in Jesus' name.